quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. When our kids are born, we have expectations as to how our family will interact. What we certainly aren't ready for are the struggles we encounter with the people we love the most. We are here for the parent who feels like they've tried it all, for the parent who feels like they have to yell to be heard, for the parent who is tired of timeouts and kids fighting all day. We are here for you. We believe when parents feel supported and heard, they are able to come to parenting more centered. We offer tools to navigate the messiness of life with kids. We are Peace in Parenting. We're back for another episode of the Peace in Parenting podcast. I'm Gemma and I'm here with Michelle. Hi, Gemma. What's going well today? We had friends over to meet our new puppy. We just stayed outside and threw treats and they got to pet him and it was really fun and it was just good to see people. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. What's going well for you? Esme said today, can I just, I had to go to the west side, which is like a long drive and she's like, can I just go in the car with you? I just miss going in the car with you. (laughs) I just wanted to have some car time with you. And I was like, of course. So we drove like 40 minutes there, 40 minutes back together just so we could be together. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, she's so cute. The little things right now, like car rides. I know. And I'm surprised at her age that she wanted to do that. That's a perfect lead into today because we're going to talk about kids her age, right? Yes. let's. We're going to talk about teens and adolescents and all that encompasses those years. For me, 11, I think. 11, 11 and a half was when things began to really change. You know, we were kind of smooth sailing from 7 to 11. It was like we were having a good time. It was easy. Parenting was easy. I was on it. I was doing my tools. I was connecting. And then 11 and a half, my little sweet Esme turned into an anxious, unkind, just teenager before my eyes. It was almost overnight. I was like, oh, can you come for dinner? I don't want to. I don't want to come down for dinner. I don't even want to be around you. And I was like, oh, wait, uh, I'm sorry. Come on, come again. And I'm like, oh, she's just having a bad day. <laughs> Next day, again, I'm not getting in the car. God, you're always rushing us. What are you doing? And I'm like, I couldn't do anything right. It was just like constant berating, just down my throat all the time. Then I heard my parents all of a sudden come out of my mouth again, where I had not heard my parents in a long time. And I was like, you are not going to talk to me like that 
that is unacceptable. This is totally rude and disrespectful and blah, blah, blah. And I went into this whole lecture a few times and it just made it worse. And so I had to really regroup. And then I started reading and read Dan Siegel's book, um, Brainstorm, which is really a great book if anybody's interested um, and how to get connected to your teenagers, another really good book for, for teens. And I read those two books and I really went to audios that Patty had from Hand in Hand Parenting that were amazing. And I was like, I got, I have to reframe this because this is going to take us down. And this is how, why I know, why I empathize with people who have teens, because it is really, really hard. It's the hardest time in parenting I think I've ever encountered. It's harder than a baby. It's harder than a toddler. It's hard because you don't know where it's coming from. And it's so misled. You just get these behaviors. And I just really leaned into the fact and the ideas after I did a lot of reading, this is the hardest time in their lives. And everything's growing. Their brain is growing. The creative part of their brain is growing. They're going through puberty. And so they're really, their body is changing. They're really focused. And finally, for the first time, like understand like their body image and what that means and what that means to the people around them and what that means to them for attraction, you know, and all of those things. And so it's really hard for them and they take it out on the safe people around them. And I think that's where our society gets really messed up is that we don't believe that. We really don't believe that. My parents didn't obviously believe that. They believed I was an unruly, ungrateful, disrespectful, you know, kid and that I needed to be punished. And when you go into punishments with these kids, it just really ends up making it worse and they really kind of withdraw from you. And what I'd say is if you have kids who are starting to do that, are starting to be unkind, just pour deeply into connection. And I know it's super counterintuitive, but she would be like, leave me alone. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to be with you. No, get out, get out of my room. And I would just, I was like, nope, I need you. Please, please let me sit in here. Can I sit on the floor? I'll sit next to the door on the floor. Can I just bring my book in here and read with you? I'll be out over here on this side. And she'd be like, oh my God, you're so annoying. Get out. <laughs> But then after a while, she started to loosen up and she started to like embrace the idea that I was there. And then she'd start telling me things like so-and-so was talking badly about such and such. And she started just to kind of download what was going on socially for her. And it was hard. And she was having a really hard time socially, but she wasn't telling me about it. I don't think she wanted to admit it to herself. I don't think that it was easy to talk about. I don't think she knew if I was going to give her advice and tell her what to do. And so then she would feel like she had to follow my advice. So it was really kind of challenging to navigate where and how to be for her. And I just didn't give up. And I just kept at it. I just kept staying and I kept asking for special time. And I kept, you know, asking to, if she wanted to do things with me and planning things you know, on the weekends. And I just, even if she was pissed doing them or halfway doing them or, you know, not fully engaged, I just did not give up on her. And it worked. It totally, completely worked. It took me a long time though. It, it took a few months at least. And then it just got a little bit better, you know, and then it was still, still hard, still hard. And then it would just get a tiny bit better. And now it's a million times better. And she's 14. I think it probably helps that you had the foundation too, right? Before those years, like you had started the connecting. So it wasn't like you were starting from scratch with this kid who had no interest in being connected to you at all. No, I think that definitely helped because when it was muscle memory, when we got back to the connection, we fell into place and then there was a rhythm. 
Yeah. But I have to say, I've worked with people who've started with this kind of parenting at 14 and they do just fine. They really do. Kids really do respond to connection. The other big thing with teenagers too, is you cannot punish them. You just can't. You cannot punish them or threaten them or belittle them or use sarcasm with them. That's one big one that I learned because you think they're big and you want to like be sarcastic, funny with them. And you can be it, but you have to be the butt of the joke. You have to be where all the laughing is coming. You can't be laughing at them because they're already in this vulnerable place in their life where they can't process. And I see a lot of people, parents and adults, maybe also two adults who don't have kids who are sarcastic with teenagers and it gets to a bad place for that teen because they don't know how to process it. They don't really know, are they joking or are they not joking? And sarcasm is, can be unkind. You know, it's not, it's not the best thing to be doing with anyone really. And especially a teenager. Yeah. Like if you're sarcastic all the time, they don't know if they can take you seriously when they need to come for like something real. I never knew who to go to. Like I had a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of things that came up at school. And I was like, I don't know who's safe to talk to this about. Yeah. Where are you going to be made fun of? Yeah. Or the other one is, are you going to be given advice? So if they come home and say, so Mary was so unkind to me and she said X, Y, and Z, and you know, I'm really mad at her and she told somebody something I said and blah, 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 blah. Well, you hear all this. And our first instinct to say is like, don't be friends with her. She's, she's not good enough for you. Like you better just walk away. But that's not necessarily decent advice because maybe they don't want to walk away. Maybe that is their friend at the time. Maybe they are willing to put up with that stuff for now. And maybe they need to find their breaking point. And when they find their breaking point, they need to organically be able to think those things on their own and then be able to act out those things on their own without taking advice from a parent. And if you give them that advice and they can't take the advice, meaning that they can't, you know, go to school and actually tell Mary, I don't want to play with you anymore. I don't want to be your friend anymore because you're unkind. And they continue to be friends with this girl. Now they're not going to come home and tell you anything because you have, they haven't taken your advice and you're all you're going to say is I told you not to be friends with her. So you're not safe now. So that's the other big thing with teenagers. They don't want advice. Don't tell them what they should or shouldn't be doing. They will figure it out, but you could be the listener and you can have probing questions. You can say, oh, that sounds like that was really hard on you. Did you get your feelings hurt? Tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry. That, ouch, that feels like that would hurt. I understand. Well, I'm right here and I'm listening anytime you want to talk to me about it. And so I think being that safe place without having judgment, nobody wants to feel like they're being judged, especially a teenager. Right. And I, with the like puberty and mood swings and like all the stuff going on, I think that a lot of parents kind of lash out back instead of accepting like, oh, there's something going on that they can't fully control. Like it's not their fault. I was just always in trouble because I was hormonally charged or whatever it was, you know, like I, my moods were all over the place and school was hard. And there was a lot of shame for me around that, like that I was this emotional out of control person, but looking back, I'm like, I think we were all like that. We were just, you like, weren't, yeah, you weren't emotionally or you were, weren't any more emotional or out of control than any of us were, right? We all were going through those things as teenagers and every teenager is going to now, whether they, they are given the space to have it freely 
or whether they they internalize it. I know my dad too. He's like, you are so emotional and you, you're so out of control and you're so, you know, aggressive and blah, 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 blah. Well, if somebody would have just listened to me one time, you know, one bout of empathy telling me, okay. I know this is a really hard time in your life. I'm right here. But there was just no soft place to land with those feelings and emotions. Instead, they were just thought of as something bad as opposed to being accepted. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we've done with Esme is just like really tried to say like, we accept you for what you're going through. I don't necessarily want you to be mean to me. And I'm not going to, you know, tell you that you can be unkind, but I'm going to stay steadfast and calm until you can get through your feelings. And I know because I know you, because we've doing this connection parenting long enough, I know you're going to come around and say, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to be mean to you. And she does almost every single time because I've given her the space to do it. She'll say, I don't know why I'm so mean. I'm just mean. I just don't know why I'm sorry, mom. And I'll say, I know you don't. I know you don't mean it. I understand. But you got to get a thick skin too, and you can't take it personally. And that is where people have a really hard time. They really take all of it very, very personally. And I get it. It seems like a personal attack. It really does, but it's not. Yeah. Looking back at my teenage years, I'm like, I really like loved my parents so much, but I treated them horribly. But I, it wasn't because I disliked them. It was just like, I was like, somebody help me. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's like the two-year-old having the tantrum. Yeah. I think the other thing for me as a teen was feeling really compared to other people. Like in school, you know, like there was always the smartest in the class or this person got the best grade and then my sister and I ran track together and she was always faster than me and I just was always worried like everyone was comparing me and there wasn't a good enough balance of like building me up and also teaching me to have my own self-esteem you know like that's something that I am really worried about with my kids like helping them find their footing and be confident people even as teenagers Mm-hmm. Well, I think self-esteem comes from resiliency and, and lack of shame. So the less shame you feel and the more resilient you feel, the more resilient you are, then, you know, the more self-esteem you have. And so I think that empathy piece is huge, just having lots of empathy for when things do fall apart. Because if we let our kids fall apart and we get upset, then now it's become this huge ordeal. And in their mind, they know it's their fault that this thing has blown up. And so they start to they start to feel bad about themselves saying like we did, like, oh, I'm crazy. Oh, I'm emotional. Oh, I'm this, oh, I'm that. Because I'm creating all this turmoil in my, in my home. And I know I am, but I'm not being given the empathy. If I were given the empathy, then I would say in my head, I have all this turmoil happening, but I have a calm presence that's going to let me fall apart and then come back together. And now I've built the resiliency knowing I can recover from these emotional upsets with somebody who's calm next to me, who's self-regulating, who's showing me what self-regulation looks like. And now I can be a self-regulating and resilient person because I have this model of this person who's doing it right in front of me every single time. Then that creates the self-esteem because you know you can fall apart and come back together. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Because teenagers have more independence what do you do like when they break your trust or like do something you know because you don't punish and you can't really enforce anything like you can with a little kid how do you handle that with them 
it's the same as you do with your little kids, right? It's the same as if when they do something wrong, instead of punishing the child, like, so Esme, for instance, she stayed out too late. Um, she wasn't supposed to stay out too late. She wasn't supposed to be in an Uber, but she was. And I said, where were you? What's happening? She's like, I know I stayed out too late. I went over and I wasn't supposed to go in the Uber. And I was like, it's okay. But why do you think we have that rule? And she's like, I don't know. Because it's dangerous, honey, because it's, you know, it's dangerous and we're scared for you. And then you're not in trouble. You know, you have a logical discussion with them. You don't tell them like, you're wrong. You did it and embarrass them and shame them and lecture them and reason them, reason with them. You just merely say, what happened? Tell me what happened. And if they tell you what happened, then you say, okay, well, this is great learning for next time. We don't want this to happen again. And I'll tell you what, she doesn't do it. She really doesn't break the rules, but there are very few rules to break. You know, it's like, if she wants to stay out and she calls me and I know where she is, that's okay. Stay out. I think kids who are not punished don't end up hiding things from you. And that if they do do something like try a beer or you know, try to vape or whatever it is, that, that that's just part of them growing up. And to think that they're going to go through life without doing those things is an unrealistic thought in our minds. And to have so many rules about all of that stuff, thinking that if we have the rules and the punishments around them, that we're going to keep them from doing it is unrealistic. And so if you get rid of the punishments around it, they just get to take the risks where they need to take the risk. They say this is the most risk-taking, you know, time in their entire lives, that their risk center in their brain is growing. And so in order for them to grow that part of their brain, they need to take risks. So we give them opportunities to take risks where we can be involved. Like for instance, Esme wants to get a tattoo. So I said, okay, well, you want to get a tattoo. Where are you going to get this tattoo? How big is this tattoo? Let's talk about it. Because you don't want her getting the tattoo in her kid, her friend's bedroom with a needle in the ink, or you don't want her going off to God knows where and getting this huge, you know, butterfly on her chest. And so we've had this whole discussion and I said, okay, great. Well, I'm, I'm ready to say yes, as long as it's within reason. So now she's able to take the risk with me involved and it's going to be something that's tasteful and small and, you know, isn't going to be this thing that she regrets later on. And I think it's okay to let your kids take those risks as long as you're a part of it. I think it's amazing like how able you are to let go of control because I think that's kind of what it is. Like we all think we need to control them and keep them in line and teach them this and that, but you've let go of control and now they don't break the rules where I was super controlled and I did things like my parents will never know about. I will never tell, but you know, because I was like, I can't tell you. So I'm going to lie about it. And also just entertaining this conversation about the tattoo and everything. I don't know if she'll really go through with it. We've talked about it and it's like, what about the pain and oh, this and you know, how many needles go into your arm? And can you tell me, can we watch a video? And it's been this whole thing. So it's like, if you just say, no, that's absolutely not. We're not doing that. You're not going to touch you. You have to wait till you're 18. Well, when they're 18, what are they going to do? They are going to get like the butterfly on their chest, you know? And it's like, then what? What have you accomplished then? Because you've made it so taboo. And like my dad said, he was like, oh, she can't get a tattoo. We're not letting her get a tattoo. That's ridiculous. And I was like, is it? He's like, well, absolutely. And that's, we cannot let her put something on her body. And I, and I kept pushing. I'm like, but why? He's like, because. And I'm like, because why? 
well, because it's not appropriate. Why isn't it appropriate? And I was like, I think some woman that you dated had like a butterfly or like a big hummingbird on her shoulder. I think she was at my wedding. Was she not? And he was like, well, I don't know. And I was like, so, I mean, what are you talking about? So it's just like, why are we holding on to some of this stuff? And why do we think that if we have punishments and we have rules around these things that it's going to keep our kids from doing them? Because I don't know if that's realistic. I'd rather have the lines of communication open so when my child does have a beer, I know about it. And I'm saying to her, yeah, you had a beer. Tell me about it. What did it taste like? What do you think? Will you, will you do it again? You know, and then it, it's not so taboo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 33 and have a tattoo and my dad's never seen it because I'm scared to tell him. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Do we want our kids to be scared of us? And some things can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, they're scared to tell you because they're scared they're going to get in trouble. And a lot of people will say, well, I tell my kids that it's better to tell me what's going on than, than to lie to me. But if you're always punishing your child, there's no way they're ever going to believe that of you. Even if you say it, I'll pick you up no matter where you are. No questions asked if you're drinking. Well, that's not necessarily what they're going to think if you're telling them you can't drink, you can't go out, you have to be in here, you have to be there. You know, I want to know who you're in. If you're all over them, there's no way that they're ever going to believe that you're just going to let it go. And are you? Are you going to be able to let, if you're a controlling parent, are you going to be able to let it go if that you have to pick them up drunk at a party? Will there be no questions asked? They know as well as you do. That's probably not the case. Yeah. So stay close, stay connected, do special time every day. If you can get in their lives, get involved in their lives. If they're into a video game, get into that video game. If they're into a television show, I watched friends. I mean, I watched so many friends the year she turned 12. I thought I was going to lose my mind. I had to watch the whole 10 seasons or whatever it is all over again. I am Jennifer Aniston and you are Courtney Cox. And I was like, of course, you know, it was like, I got involved in it. If they are into whatever they're into, like get in their world, be part of their life because you only have a few years and then they're gone. And if you just, if you separate they will let you, they will let you push them away and they will push you away and you will push them away and the connection will wane. Just stay close. Don't let go and try to let go of some of your control because it will, it will help them find their boundaries too. Like they're going to figure out what feels okay and what doesn't feel okay. Because if we're constantly putting this pressure on to punish and to give so many rules, they don't know where their line is because that's your line. And you've made that very clear. So if they go out in the world and they haven't had to rely on their own internal moral compass, then they're going to go out in the world and they're going to have no moral compass. It's just going to kind of be free for all because they haven't been given the organic opportunity to decide where their lines are because it's your lines. That's so good, Michelle. I'm surprised <laughs> again. It's so good. Yeah. Well, I learned the hard way, everybody. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I was going to do. I thought, I'm going to have to find a new career because I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go straight to punishments if I wanted to. And now I've got Pia, who's just started this summer. I mean, just in the last two weeks, she's been like, I'm not putting my electronics away. You don't put your electronics away. And quite frankly, mom, I don't think it's that nice of you to be on our, your electronics if I have to put mine away. Touche, <laughs> honey. Touche. You're right. I'm putting mine away too. 
So it's starting with my little one. Yeah. Oh, good luck. But you got it this time around. Esme's like this. Oh, mom, just like me. Oh. (laughs) Esme, please, can you be my ally? I need your help. She could really help. She is. She's totally helping. Oh. I'll I'll go in the room and be like, oh my gosh, she's crying about the electronics again. She's like, mom, (laughs) you can do it, mom. You can do it. You will. Yeah. Okay. If you have questions about the teen stuff, please email me. It's like really my passion right now. I would love to hear from you. And if you want sessions around it, I think it's a really good place to have sessions for people. I've helped a lot of people with teen kids. Um, Cooperation class would probably help with that. Yes. And the cooperation class, which is all about the connection piece and, and really getting in deep with the connection. And then, you know, asking teens to do something is a very nuanced, I think, technique. And that course kind of teaches you how to get the yes from your kids because they need to help around the house and they need to do things. And we want them to organically say yes. And that's not easy. And without the connection part of it, without diving into empathy and special time and being with them you can't get the organic yes from a teenager you just can't you can't manipulate them into yes so it would be a great course we'll link it here yeah and we're gonna take a little break for the rest of the summer but we'll be back end of august yeah okay thanks for listening everyone have a good summer okay Gemma. thank you When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.